right, welcome back in episode two, No Man's Land 2023. This week, we're going to touch on the newly released Breakpoint Netflix documentary, Getting the Bump, uh, which is our segment where we each picked a guy uh, for the season, and, and we're going to follow along, see how they're doing. Keith's going to be bringing us the fastest two minutes in tennis, and we're going to give you guys a little Oz Open mid-tournament update, as well as a first interview of the year with a buddy of Cole's named Richie Gary, who's really involved in the social media side and, and photography side of tennis. So you guys will get to hear his perspective on, on the tour and some of the cool things he's gotten to do. But first, Netflix, Breakpoint. I just finished watching two days ago. Uh, Keith, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, awesome to see tennis finally get a little bit of limelight here for uh, for a documentary. We saw this as a kind of a a sequel almost or uh, the same producers that did the F1 thing that, uh, that really kind of brought that sport back to life or gave it a new new viewpoint. Uh, enjoyed it so far. There's, if you're an avid tennis fan, I will say this. If you watch a tour in and out every single week, there's not a ton that you're missing here. You know these players. You know what's going on with them. Uh, but it really does give a, a, an idea of what every week looks like on tour. Uh, it follows around Taylor Fritz. Uh, Francis Tiafo apparently is going to be in the second half. Uh, on the women's side, we get Maria Zachary. Um, we get Pedosa, who, who's got the best-looking boyfriend in the history of the world. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, that guy is, that guy is unbelievable. Uh, Berrettini. It's just a great look into the lives. And it starts off, obviously, with the most controversial figure in tennis, and Nick Kyrgios, and his uh, doubles run last year to, uh, to the Australian Open. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, um, the thing that stands out the most to these first five episodes is even though he's not a huge, you know, hype or like uh, he's not a feature player covered by Netflix is the dominance of Nadal, not necessarily dominance of Nadal, but more so, um, like the fear that he, fear of God he puts into everybody. Right. So when, when I, you know, when you think back of all the times that Nadal was playing, like you, you, you think of like you know, David Ferrer walking out on court, French Open final or semifinal and just like not even competing. But like Ferrer and him, Ferrer was older than him, right? That has transpired time. Whereas you've got guys like Casper Ruud and uh, Taylor Fritz, even though he won that final in uh, in Indian Wells that year against the doll, they know who they're playing. They It's almost like, it's almost like in a way, uh, most of the times the match is over before it starts. And the best way to describe that is when, in that French open final, when you see Casper Ruud uh, warming up in the tunnel <laughs> and Nadal's just doing like full body swings and backhands and jumping around and doing his like calisthenics pre-match. And then you think about, okay, well, Ruud has definitely, you know, been to that Academy. He's part of the Nadal, Nadal, Nadal product. And it's just, there's just no way you would ever feel like that match was going to be close. And I bet you Casper felt the same way walking out on the court. Um, that's what makes the Fritz win so big, but Fritz also was definitely feeling it that way. But um, he just played off his mind, handled the pressure better. And then on the women's side, um, sort of the flip side of that is, you know, you see all these great women that are really, really good players, but there's such an opening for dominance. Like Serena's now moved on and, you know, Sharapova's in the dock is not no longer playing anymore. Those, you know, the, the stars of women's tennis. And now you've got like Jabur and Sakari and uh, Bedosa, none of which have won slams, but are all really, really trying to fight for it. And it's just, 
it's interesting to see how they all deal with the pressure and fail and try again and fail and try again. And um, yeah, it's, it's uh, two, co- two contrasts there. I, I think it's funny you brought up Nadal. Yeah. Because that's something that really stuck out to me because in my opinion, this documentary obviously is a way to get more people involved in tennis and start to see the new faces of tennis as the big three are moving on. But last year was dominated by Nadal and Djokovic. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just pretty funny that they're, they're following these young guns and, and the on the women's side, some of these newer players. And again, just like last year was just dominated by not these players. And, and, and I think, like you said, Fritz and Indian Wells was great. And I think it's really cool that he was one of the feature guys and he was able to go win Indian Wells and you got to see the background on the injection he had to get the day of the match. He, he wasn't even going to play the match and, and yeah. how, how devastated he is sitting there and everyone is telling him not to play. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm at like my home tournament and you're going to tell me not to play. Like you guys are crazy. And it just shows you what a competitor that guy is. I mean, it, that side of the game is just so challenging. What what they do in terms of physical and mental, uh, and, and and I want to also loop back on something Colt said about the, the, you know you guys both touched on the doll. Uh, the two things I thought the 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 thing with the entire thing was missing with the doll was one is they just needed to start playing like some evil music over him because every time he walked out on the court it was in like a slow motion like the ball was bouncing like his three strands of hair were just like glistening and like you were just sitting there just going like this guy is like the most evil villain looking person and it's just Rafa he's like the he's a nice guy he's brutal on the court. And, and Cole, you talked about like him running around and swinging forehands and that kind of stuff. I've, we've always, we've all watched that in terms of like, they, they showed that before every single match. We've always been like, wow, that's so cool. Like, wow, look how dedicated he is and all that kind of stuff. For the first time we saw it from like the opponent's viewpoint, if I was opponent, I was standing in the tunnel. I'd be like, what the fuck is this weirdo doing? Like, <laughs> like, what is this man like jumping and screaming and running back and forth? I'd be like, we just hit for like 45 minutes before we did a big workout. Like, this isn't what you need. I just thought it was like, I looked at it. I was like, this is really weird. Now looking at it for the first time, it was the first time I ever got that like take of like, this is strange. Yeah. But if I was a young guy and I, and I knew the aura of Nadal and everything he's accomplished. In that moment, I'd be thinking, you know what? It's been a good tournament. A couple bagel sets coming my way right here. <laughs> <laughs> was it at Wimbledon? I think Nadal was playing like Gilles Mueller, and he was doing yep. that, but he, but he drilled his head on like feeling. <laughs> well, it, it, it's funny. Maybe, maybe that has something to do with it about how much he intimidates people going at just into a match because Gilles Mueller won that match. And yeah. if you look at that video um, of Mueller of Nadal jumping, he bangs his head against like the like the door frame, and it like he hit it hard. Like I did, like he hit that thing hard, and they both laughed. And I wonder yeah. if that like took the edge off that match. But um, I mean, just it was looking at it from the outsider's point. I was like, this is so weird yeah. to watch him run around inside that little tunnel and swing. Like Rude's like having to back into the corner just to let the doll run by and swing forehands, running by him. <laughs> yeah, and just just getting back to you know the the players that are actually covering in the <laughs> in the episodes. Um, I'm hoping that one of them, male or female, wins the slam this year because I think that would be really big for popularity 
Um, like, can you imagine if a Canadian or Fritz like uh, won it, won a slam in the coming years or, or in, the, in this coming year? Or, you know, say, what if Sakari is the first Greek to win a slam in forever and it's not sits the past? Like, that would be an incredible storyline. Um, so the sky's the limit. I mean, I know they're not faring super well this week, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic for the future of this year. Yeah, every, every player is out, right? Every Netflix player is out of this year's Australian. <laughs> it is. That's, that yeah. is true. Yeah, three people. The last to go. Yeah, so uh, Nick, yeah. Bedosa, and Isla all withdrew pre-tournament. And then, um, yeah, a lot of them have had tough luck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, Berrettini, tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's worth a watch if you're a tennis fan. And, and I, what I enjoyed out of it, just personally from my from my is one I thought it was a little bit of a the word I'm looking for is like a justification for Nick Kyrgios all these calm-headed players they showed like a guy like Mar- Matteo Berrettini or Tomlanovic who is one that really like you know she can get a little fiery but it's nothing like awful they all left the court and with even after wins just going like all I want to do is snap every racket in my bag just go back dad is on this thing and just snap and snap and snap and snap and they're cursing at their boxes they're cursing on the court and it's it, they're all doing it and it's just like you know it, it justified curious actions a little bit for me where i felt like okay this guy's just acting out on what everybody else wants to like he's just saying it out loud type thing and i and i, and I felt for curious a little bit more watching that and understood his actions a little bit more after watching the documentary yeah i was impressed with the way he came out and said he acknowledged that he's basically two different people. He said on the court, all my demons come out and he goes, I'm a different person. All the demons come out on the court. And I, I don't know, as a tennis player, you can relate to that a little bit, but like you said, Keith, most people are able to manage it and control it and he can't. And that's why the world sees him in that light and paints that picture a little bit. And I think the behind the scenes of this stuff really shows how well everyone else hides it, but how everyone else also has those same feelings. Brilliant by Netflix to start him off. Uh, It's so smart. My my dad and my youngest brother who literally couldn't tell you the first thing about tennis other than like, my dad still thinks like Sampras was boring because he was like, they just served hard. Like that's the last time my dad watched (laughs) tennis. Um, And my youngest brother who's never watched was like, they were talking to me about Nick Kyrgios. They're like, oh, this guy's wild. Like my dad was like, this guy's an ass and all that kind of stuff. Just like, you know, being like that old guy. And my youngest brother was like, uh, like, you know, can I sarcastically dye my hair like Nick Kyrgios? And it was just kind of fun to see like that he is divisive and it did kind of explain him a little bit. I think it makes him a little bit more palatable to the tennis fan, which is we need that kind of guy on the tour a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame that he couldn't play the tournament for, uh, you know, yeah. people that aren't familiar with him. And, uh, you know, it did hurt. And uh, I know he, I just saw I just saw he got surgery. He said it went well. And it's just a picture of him giving everybody the finger on Instagram. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the situation he's in is probably more to like sort of what he's what he's having to deal with. But uh, I don't know when he'll come back, but hopefully he's back by at least the grass season because Wimbledon is always fun with him. Yeah, maybe he'll be able to get some points this year at Wimbledon. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, some actual points for once. <laughs> yeah. I, last last thing I'll touch on before we, we move on, I, I think, is I got a lot of reactions from a lot of my friends about the Breakpoint series from non-tennis fans. 
and I, I'm probably the only source of tennis in their lives. And so being able to look at this and, and get their opinions on it was really cool to see what they thought about it and, and how they're starting to get into it a little bit more and how they view it as a casual fan compared to the three of us and other people who, like you said, Keith, are avid tennis fans. So I, I really thought there was a lot of good feedback and a lot of positive feedback on, on the way people viewed the documentary because I've seen some stuff on Twitter where maybe people like us are a little underwhelmed with it um, because they're seeing all this stuff through social media already. But mm -hmm. the people that aren't, in my opinion, that's what this is for. That's why the documentary is going through and explaining how the scoring works and where these tournaments are and how many grand slams there are and things that seem so elementary to us. But that's how you're drawing in these new fans. And it seems to be working, which I, I really am, am happy about because that's, I think a huge goal of this documentary was to bring that level of fan in as the game is sort of going into a new era. Yeah. I mean, I had my youngest brother text me uh, who's never, like I said, never played like a tennis, like wanted to get into tennis maybe a little bit this summer and he was watching it and they explained the scoring system and he still got like a little, like not confused by it, but he just wanted like some clarification on it. And I was like, that's a conversation I never thought I would have with him. Like, you know, he understood what, like, he understood what we did for tennis, but he never really did it. And now he's maybe a little interested in it. And that's yeah. just, if you can pull that in, because the only positive maybe that came out of COVID was that tennis boomed. And it and it did plateau a little bit since. And uh, to have this kind of come in and give more casual fans, or not even casual fans, people that never heard the game and just wanted to watch something on a Wednesday night. I'm just so, such a fan of it, and I'm loving it. Yeah, I got a bunch of friends in the army that are watching it that are meatheads and baseball and football fans, and they're all texting me. So, uh, our armed forces supports Breakpoint. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a plug right there. If you watch, if you don't watch Breakpoint, you are un-American and you don't support the armed forces. <laughs> <laughs> well, let let's jump down to get getting the bump. I think it's a good segue for us to kind of lead into what's happening with the Australian Open because a lot of our picks are, I think, I think all of our picks really have done well. So, yeah. so cool. Let, let's start with you since your guy, he, he isn't in the Australian Open, but you got to fill everybody in with what he's been doing outside of the Australian Open. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure you guys all saw the Instagram post if you have, and it's NML tennis. Um, and it is, my picture, or my, my player, sorry, is Arthur Cazal. He's French. Uh, he's from Montpellier. He's 20 years old. About a week and a half ago, he won his first uh, challenger. Um, so he, he got his ranking up to around, I think it's, I think the picture says 275. Um, and then last week, I made a claim that he will be top 100 by his 21st birthday, which I believe is in August. Um, he is... He just he just uh, made a final of a tournament, another challenger in Thailand this week. So he's up to about two twenty nine. So that's about forty spots in one week. Um, some people say I'm catching lightning in a bottle right now, and I tend to I tend to agree with them. Um, I know he's going to be grinding on the challenger tour for probably a few more months, um, but I'll I'll keep you updated. You'll see him in a slam. I bet you he probably gets into the French Open just because he's French, um, at least qualies. But uh. Yeah, look, guys, talent, talent speaks to me, but you guys can talk about the big guys that are playing the majors. I think um, I think what we have to, if for, for viewers that don't know, Challenger Tour is kind of like the AAA of tennis. 
Um, it really is where a lot of players start making their bones. Uh, some players now that we're seeing that are very good on tour came up through the challenger events. It, it's not always just a straight linear, like a straight line that happens for these guys. Uh, Roberto Bautista Goot was a guy that really grinded out on the challenger towards Jack Draper, who's a guy that I really like on the game and who I picked last year to have a good year. Uh, pretty much faulted himself inside the top 100 on the challengers. Aslan Karatsev, obviously a guy that got really hot on the challenger tour. It's, it's still very high professional tennis and it's a cool way. It's, it is a way that to get your ranking up and uh, you start winning on the challenger tour, it starts building some confidence and we've seen guys drop down. I mean, Agassi famously dropped down when he was in a huge funk in the point of his career back to the challenger tour at like 27 years old. So it's good. It's a good first week. For uh, for handsome Martha over there, I know I keep talking about how good looking some of these guys are, but Cole has an ability to pick good looking dudes all the time. It feels like. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, I mean, on my end, I think uh, like you know, I somehow had again not the best pick during the Australian Open for getting the bump, but he had a great tournament. Alexi Popperin, huge, huge first round win in five sets. Uh, just an unbelievably good match. It finished at like four o'clock in the morning. I mean, it finished like, excuse me, like nine o'clock in the morning, our time. Uh, he ends up winning a couple big matches and then ends up losing weirdly enough to Ben Shelton, the guy that we're going to start. We're going to start hearing a name of the the young American. Uh, but Alexi Popperin, since that pick has, has gone up 35 ranking points, he's inside the top 100 again. And uh, it just is looking like a guy that really has a good game going for him. He was very emotional. After after his win at the Australian Open, uh, lost in the round of 32, like I said, but just really a fun guy to keep your eye out for because it looks like he does have that full game to kind of keep him going through the season. And it's fun to see a guy that that may not have won a tournament or didn't even really make the quarters or anything like that. Just get that emotional because of how much that match meant to him. So fun guy to watch. Big game. But uh, all of us chatter in comparison to cash and checks over there, Freddie Mesmer. Yeah, what what did you pick, uh, Popperin to finish at, Keith? I picked Popperin to break in the top forty. Okay, yeah, I think I said that my guy Yuri, cash and checks Lehechka, <laughs> was gonna be top forty for sure. I said maybe even thirty, and I said if he can start the year strong, he might sniff the top twenty-five. Wow. He's currently thirty-nine in the live ranking, so he's already top forty after five days of tennis. And he is into the quarterfinals of the Australian Open after starting 80 in the world with a huge win in the fourth round over Felix Auger-Aliassime. That's, yeah, I, I don't know. So I, when I made this pick, I just remembered watching him play. Uh, Yuri played Brandon Nakashima in the next-gen finals um, at the end of last year. And I really thought, this kid's got some game and he, he's made a push inside top 100 and he's young. But I thought maybe he's a little streaky, and he's, I don't know, proving me wrong. Strung together some match wins, and now he's in the quarters with a really good chance to have another good win. Yeah, but, oh, well, you think no? You think uh, I know well? we're going to transition to our, our Australian Open uh, midweek update, but there's been a lot of uh, getting the bump and Aussie Open picks hate crimes going on, so... <laughs> Um, and that's what's going to happen tonight, man. Sits Bass is going to knock your cash and checks, Lechetka out. Yeah, for for viewers that may that that listened last week, 
uh, Fred and I both our tournament picks got knocked out by our getting the bump picks, um, which is just real rough to root for when you're in the middle of the match. Like you're just like oh, mother, you're just sitting there just going like either way, I'm going to look smart, but I'm like, you don't know which way. Cause you're pulling really for the guy to win the tournament. So you don't look like an idiot. Cause you know, the getting the bump guy is most likely not going to win the tournament. And, uh, and yeah, that was that was a little rough. I mean, for me, it was Popper and beating Fritz. For Fred, obviously, Lahechka beating uh, beating FAA. Yeah, and both of my picks are still in, so I don't, I don't know how I don't know how that feels. <laughs> we get we'll we'll get to that. I, I think before we move into the fastest two minutes, I just want to touch on almost an honorable mention for getting the bump. I, I think somebody in this this week that's really broken out, and you guys mentioned him earlier, Benny Sheltz. As he, as he put on his Twitter, because all the Aussies give the nicknames, Benny Sheltz. Ben Shelton, the young American, played at Florida College Tennis. The guy was playing number five on his college team 18 months ago. And he is now in the quarters with a chance to play Tommy Paul to make the semis and potentially set up a matchup with Djokovic. That- is it just... Is it just like a growth for him? Like what happened in the last 18 months that made this guy this good right now? Yeah, I think a lot of it's confidence and just being able to get opportunity at that level and see that you can do it. And just all of a sudden you start winning and you capitalize on it. But what's amazing to me is he's ne- he had never left America in his life before going to Australia for the warm-up event and then the Australian Open. And he was already top 100 going to Australia and he had never left the States ever. Not even as a to the Bahamas for a family vacation. The guy had never left America, and yeah. on back to back to back challengers last year, and decided to forego his last year to it at Florida, and go go try it on tour. Which when he first said that, I was like, okay, I can I can see it, but like, is he gonna maybe do what like Eubanks or some of the guys have done, where you're gonna f- maybe float inside a two hundred and just be grinding challengers, and it's not as glamorous and if i were in his shoes maybe i would have stayed at florida and lived the dream of the college life for like two more years win another natty um but i i think he's proved everybody wrong and now he he beat jj last night in a five-set thriller and yeah it's a dual match little little florida ohio state dual match there in round of 16 yeah it was a little oh oh no for <laughs> jj for jj wolf he was cramping and needed some more pickle juice but yeah, I think just a, a quick plug for for ben, Benny Sheltz. I think we we're gonna see a lot more from him. I think Cole, you said he's he's forty three in the live rankings. So at worst, he, he will finish forty three. Yeah, but if he loses tomorrow night, he will finish forty three. If he wins again, I mean that he could be pushing thirty in in the world. That guy, we could be seeing him seated at the next Grand Slam, which yeah. is wow, which is insane. <laughs> we potentially have. To getting the bump guys and and Ben and Ben Shelton, who we will keep an eye on, obviously seated at the at like the U.S. Open by the end of the year. Could that be a possibility by the end of this year? Well, you know, we'll be on we'll be on the courts. We're going to be on their courts. We're going to fly Cole out from Scottsdale, keep <laughs> on the way. Oh man, that will be. I'll awesome. have to learn French by next French Open next year. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's a possibility by the U.S. Open we could have three. We could have those two guys, and that's just. That's just fun to watch the growth of tennis that way. Oh, it's it's awesome. Well, sweet. Well, let's let's get into the fastest two minutes, Keith. What? <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. 
with the fastest changeover in tennis, bringing you this week's highlights in tennis and quicker than any Stefano Sitsi pass changeover. Breakpoint. Netflix drops, drops its documentary. Kyrgios, Berrettini, Fritz, Zachary, Jabor, Bedosa, Rude, FAA. Next up-and-coming players in the world of tennis? Uh, not this tournament. Kyrgios out, knee injury. Berrettini knocked out first round. Epic match until 4 o'clock in the morning with the oldest man of all time, Andy Murray, who grumbled his way. Fritz knocked out in the second round to Alexi Poprin. Oh, your boy called it. Don't forget it. Zachary out. Anz Jabor injured and out. Bedosa, not even quite sure if she played. Casper Rude out early to Jensen Brooksby. What the hell's going on? FAA out early as well. Uh, well how about our defending champion? How do you do? Rafael Nadal. Nadal, well, he did not play very well. Yeah, out early to Mackenzie McDonald. I'll get a fry with that shake, baby. McDonald's taking Nadal out. Medvedev, the guy who should have won last year, out early. The Americans, they're good. Tommy Paul, Seb Korda, the lesser of all the Korda siblings. Don't forget that, folks. And Benny Shelton into the quarterfinals. The first time in a thousand years we've had three male men players in the quarterfinals. Netflix versus real, but not for these guys. Uh, great matches. Bertini, Murray, Murray, uh, Murray Kokonakis. It was just the Murray show, it feels like this. Rublev Rune going five sets, saving like six match points and winning 11 9. But don't look now, folks. He quietly came back into the country after somebody unlocked him from his jail cell in, Aus in Australia. Novak Djokovic vying for his 10th Australian win. Will he do it? It feels likely. I hate it, but he's probably going to win again. Um, but that's not all that's happened in the world of tennis so far. Everybody, let's give a big congratulations to Naomi Osaka, who announced that she is expecting her first child. Tennis world misses you, Naomi. And the world is better for having you playing in it. But let's not forget, this is a cool moment for her, and we all should give her respect and due. Congratulations, and we hope the best from you. And that is the fastest changeover. Thanks, bye. Wow. I mean, we, we're going to get right into the, the mid-tournament update here, but holy moly, Keith. That first take, first go at it, well done, well done. Um, yeah, I can, can, I'm excited for more of those. Um, but go, Fred, I know you want to throw us into a little mid-tournament update, or you want me to do it? We can just roll right in. Yeah, I think why don't we touch on yeah, touch on our picks um that we that we all took for the tournament on the men's bad. <laughs> Yeah, you want to start? Not good. <laughs> Just not good. Uh yeah, so um I picked uh Taylor Fritz to finally do something that American hasn't done in 175 years and that's when a and that's when a grand slam and uh he got knocked out by uh my getting the bump pick as I mentioned earlier Alexi Poprin. Uh it that was a miserably awesome match to watch. Like I said, that finished real early in the morning here on the East Coast, and so that sucks. Yeah, that just really just that did. Yeah, that just was like real kick in the crotch. Um, but I mean, one of one of the better matches in the entire tournament. I mean, both guys were just hitting, both guys were hitting the hell out of serves. We're really playing smart points. We're really just just playing really good tennis throughout the entirety of the thing. And it was one of the better one of the better matches in the entire tournament, I thought. So of course Taylor Fritz gone, and then Popper bounced back to that huge win by losing to Shelton, which really just kind of even depressed me more. Um, <laughs> and then on the women's side, I, I pick Iga Schwantek, uh, thinking that she will never lose a match ever. She was on like a fifty match winning streak, it felt like, and yeah, she just lost like two nights ago, so or last night, I can't remember which one it was. So Whoopi Keith, let's move on to somebody that knows what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, Fred, I'll let you go. I'll let the losers talk first. The losers. I'm I'm still got one in, Cole. <laughs> this guy, dude, this guy picks like 
Oh, he picks like two of the favorites for the tournament and, and <laughs> God picking. Oh gosh, cool. But Pagula, Pagula on the women's side, just rolling through everybody, just like the Bills couldn't do with her football team. But I digress. On the men's side, yeah, I, I wanted to pick Stefanos, but Cole obviously stole that away. God. And I ended up taking Felix Auger Aliasim. And just like Keith, he lost to my boy Yuri Lehechka, my getting the bump pick, which was great. And I think I would have preferred to have Yuri win that match just as it was a later stage in the tournament. And I don't know, I just, I'm really getting behind this Lehechka kid. And I'm excited that he's now going to break in the top 40 and see. But yeah, Felix done, Pagula still in. Yeah. Uh, wow. What a moment this is for me. I still have oh, Stabalenka in the tournament. Uh, has not dropped a set, making me look like an absolute wizard right now. Um, and then, uh, you know, people say that she's a favorite, but I would say battled with her serve problems and always finds a way to not pull through in the pressure moments, but she is playing top-notch tennis right now. I think Vegas, and then, I think Vegas knows more than you about favorites, but okay. <laughs> uh, and then Sitsipas uh, um, surprised me through the center match. I really thought he was going to go away after he dropped those last two sets. but I lost money there too. The Greek, the Greek <laughs> batting down the hatches and uh, won in the fifth set. I mean... And I don't know if we picked up on this, but every post interview, since the past has thrown out some Australian slang, I absolutely love it. Give us a few. Uh, rip snorter. Uh, I, I don't know. It's like, it's like a rip snorter of a match. That's the only one sticking with me. Um, I mean, it wasn't yeah. as bad as, uh, as, as, what was it, uh, Fritz trying to draw the lock emoji. I don't know. Like, if anybody saw that, uh, after m- match wins, they give guys like a, sh- like a, not a Sharpie, but one of those like, erasable markers and they draw on the camera and he's trying to draw a lock emoji and it just it just was a penis it, it, <laughs> like there's no other way around it it just wasn't a lock it was hilarious to watch uh yeah it was i think it was after his first round match against basalash feely and yeah. it just wasn't a lock and then all the americans started doing that and tiafo actually called fritz out on his terrible terrible drawing yeah I mean, that's the way I would have drawn it, uh, drawn it as well, just because I have no talent in that whatsoever. But it was funny to watch them all kind of gang up on Fritzy. Um, yeah, even even on the women's side, Pagula did it, Coco did yeah. it. They all they all were hopping on. I love that that we've got that American camaraderie out there, and it's paying dividends on the court there, Freddie boy. I know. American yeah, wow. Eight eight men in the final thirty-two, which was like the first time in. What, like 15 years or something it's you been know. a while i mean it's the first time that we've had three men in the in the in the quarters i think since oh one yep get who are the three guys cole who are the three guys oh yeah in the quarters is tp tommy paul you're you're uh you're the friend that you would dream to always have and then, <laughs> and then <laughs> the guy is cool he is cool he's a cool dude um, then there's Benny Schultz and then there's Corda, who I could have sworn just coming from the mindset that like American tennis always finds a way to let you down when it gets late. Um, I could have sworn that Hercotch was going to win that 10 point breaker. So when he won that breaker, I was like, you know what? 
this could be his moment. This could be, you know, he could go a couple more rounds. He may. What's up? Who who were the three guys in 01? I, oh. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. I don't know if it was 01. It might have been 05, I think it was. Uh, it was in the ooh. early 2000s. There's three guys. I know. Who I'm going to guess and say Blake and Roddick. Yep. Uh, and I, I, I will be so impressed if you get this last one. Dent. He wore Under Armour before anybody knew what Under Armour was, if that helps. No, it doesn't help me. Keith, you know who it is? Uh, we're Under Armour now. I'm really lost. <sighs> I got no idea. He's got, the same, he's got the same initials. As... Not Marty Fish, was it? No. Give it no to Marty us. Fish was a K-Swiss. Yeah. Marty Fish was a K-Swiss boy. Um, Robbie Ginepri. Wow. Have, no, no, no. You could have you, you told me he was Italian. I would have believed you. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Ginepri, James Blake, Andy Roddick was the last time we had three Americans in a Grand Slam quarterfinal. Wow. Wow. <laughs> The great thing about American tennis right now is that there's nine there's nine guys inside the top fifty, and I mean, me, there's ten guys. There's ten. ten. I got ahead of myself on that stat. There's ten guys. Nine of them are twenty five or younger. Exactly. I was going to bring that up. Isner's thirty seven, but yep. then the yeah. the other nine guys are all just turned twenty five or younger. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. We do our research here. Yeah, I think one of the matches on the men's side so far in the tournament that really stuck out to me was Sinner. And Sitsipas that you touched on a little earlier, Cole. I think Sinner Sinner had to battle back and win in five sets in the previous round against Fuskovitz. And he lost the first two sets, 6-4, 6-4. And then he rolled Fuskovitz like 6-2, 6-1, 6-1. And looked like he was really finding some form. And so I was really excited to watch him and Steph because I think Steph's going to get give anybody a good match. And the way Sinner was playing, I, I thought – there's for sure going to be some drama. And of course it ended fifth set and I don't know. You couldn't, couldn't ask for much more. I think, I don't know. Sinner, Sinner just strikes the crap out of the ball, man. I love, I love watching him play because he just, he's got noodle arms and he hits the ball so hard and it makes me feel good about my noodle arms. He's also like the least Italian looking Italian that's ever lived. There's just never been a guy that just doesn't look like an Italian more than Yannick Sinner. Yeah. Keith, what what match stuck out to you? I'm going with the other Italian. I'm going with Matteo Bertini and Andy Murray. I mean, it may be it it could go down as maybe the best first round match in a Grand Slam. I think that match was just unbelievable. Uh, as 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 the joke I often make all time, Matteo Mamma's last Mia in the fifth set when he uh, when he dumped when he dumped a sitter backhand in the fifth set to kind of win the match. Yeah, I think he had break point at what five four in the fifth set. I think he was. And he had a sitter backhand that was inside the service line and it hit the bottom third of the net. It's one of the worst, one of the worst shots I've ever seen a professional tennis player hit. And it was beyond that, which I hope doesn't ruin the match beyond that. It's one of the best matches I've watched. It was such a good watch. It was worth the replay. I, I, I was so glad I taped that one and, and rewatched parts of it, but it was, it was so good start to finish. And Murray just kind of, did what Murray did, anticipated, ran around, uh, relied on first serves, uh, and just kind of frustrated the hell out of Mateo. Uh, Mateo's got to be a guy who's hard to play because you know there's an obvious weakness there, but you can never get it. 
you can never get to his backhand because of how well he moves and how big his forehand is. But that match to me was just stupidly good. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's funny, Keith. Like, Murray, I mean, he is good for these. Like, it feels like every slam now. Just some – he creates – he gives you a moment to, to remember him by. Um, and I'm going to p- piggyback your your match and take it to the next round. Um, he beat Kokonakis in five when he had no business even playing a third set. Uh, Kokonakis was up two sets to love. They, he uh, Murray's down a break in the third. Um, Kokonakis got a Kokonakis got a um, uh, a time violation on a cert, on uh, by the by the chair, and, the, and he was just, like completely upset about it. Lost his confidence. Murray breaks back. They go. They play a breaker. Uh, Kalkanakis had some sitters in the breaker that he just, you know, he he missed on, didn't take his chances. And then in that moment, you're like, you know, Murray can't do this again, can he? Especially with this young guy, Kalkanakis. And, you know, it's it's now like 2 (laughs) a.m. By the way, scheduling, a lot to be talked about there. Um, Umpiring too. Yeah, yeah, Murray, Murray ended up winning in five and... It was five hours and 45 minutes. Um, and then he got rewarded with playing Batista Agu next, which he won a, which he won a freaking uh, set off of after like only, only playing, like only sleeping for like, I don't know, a couple hours and being back at the practice facility the next day after like six hours. Again, making no sense to me, but the guy is a warrior and he, he loves it. He absolutely loves the sport. And uh, yeah, I hope he can keep playing a little bit longer. I love the fact that every Murray match, even from like the first point, looks like he's just dead and he's dreaded to be there. And like <laughs> he showed up in that Kokonakis match. I'm like, man, this guy like can't even move. He can't even play. I'm, I'm like, I'm surprised he's out here. And then he just goes and the match goes on. I'm like, dude, you're on like hour 10 now and you just look the same and you're still yelling at, at your box and like, you just look miserable out here and still find a way to win. It's it's almost it's almost like he rope dopes you until your energy level falls to where his started and stays at. And then he's just then he just hits better shots. To me, that's what it feels like. Uh, yeah, he plays like he talks. It's just kind of like anticipatory and, and boring. Like, I'm on Demari. I'm just here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like one of those things where it's it's he's and Cole, you touch on it. He's been good for one of these matches for every Grand Slam, but he finally came out on one. It felt like, and not only that, he came out too. Um, so it was fun to watch, but it just it's it's kind of cool to see the stalwart like you know go out a little bit on his own term, even with a fake hip. <laughs> I said in the group chat, I said fake hips unite. Yeah, <laughs> you and me. <laughs> me and Andy. But, I mean, yeah. with all that being said, there's still so much left. There's so much good tennis to to, to see for the rest of this tournament. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to move move us into the quarters, and I want to give you guys – I think I'm just going to list each quarter matchup, and I just want to hear all three of our picks. I'm going to go through each of the matchups. Hatching off, Korda. Korda and uh, five. What did you say, Keith? Korda and five. I'll go with Korda here as well. As much as I hate it, I think I, it, I think Hatchinoff's going to win in in four. Bye bye. Pass versus Catch Cashin checks Lehechka. Well, okay, Keith, I'll make it easy for you. 
Freddie's going to take his boy, and I'm going to take my boy. So you got to be the tiebreaker on this. Sitsy and four. Ooh. Yeah, Sitsy and I, four. I think I mean, Lehechka gets a good second set, and I think it's kind of sits a pass the next three pretty – like not handily, but like, you know, one break gets it. Yep. Uh, no, I agree. I'm not taking my guy, Cole. I, I think Stefanos wins <laughs> four if Yuri plays crazy well. I think it's going to be a great five-set match. But I, I just don't think he's going to have enough to get it done. Thing is, with 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 Sitsi Pass, is, is part of his game's gotten better. Is he's found a way to win without having a, without having even close to an A game, yep. and that's just kind of just made him like into the top five player that he is. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with the Greek, and I, I can't wait to see what kind of slang he comes up with at the end of this interview. <laughs> Rublev Djokovic. I'll make this easy. Joker and straights. Joker and straights. Joker and straights. <laughs> yeah, the most maybe the most quieted talked about guy who's won nine of these freaking tournaments, and we've like that's the first time we mentioned his name. Yeah, nobody's talking about him. It's, He's just kind of not just another Australian. <laughs> he wants to fly under the radar because of his alleged hamstring hamstring injury. So we're gonna let him. We can get to the next match. And lastly, the All American <laughs> matchup: Ben Shelton, Tommy Paul. Keith? I'm stuck. Uh, Tommy Paul and straights, two of them are a breaker. Oh, wow. That one-sided. I'm going to take Tommy Paul as well, but I think it's going to be a lot harder than that. We're going to see more than three sets. I want to take TP, but I just can't. Ben Shelton, oh. ben Shelton just finds a way to win. He just finds wow. a way to win. He's going to teepee the house, baby. Ben Shelton. <laughs> Four sets. That's too good. Four Clip sets. That. Ben Shelton. Three breakers. Clip that for worst joke of the year. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me let me run through the, the women's pit, uh, women's quarters. Uh, yep. Bikina, Wimbledon uh, defending champ uh, against Ostapenko. Ostapenko took out Coco Golf yesterday. I'll never ever pick Ostapenko, uh, Rybakina. <laughs> I can't stand Ostapenko. Yeah, I hope Ostapenko can't walk out and play the match. I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking Rybakina. I'm going to take Ostapenko because I think she's in one of those those moods of where she can everything's a beach ball to her. He's right gonna now, he's but, gonna be right. Wait, but oh yeah, okay. Everything's a beach ball. I thought you said her dress was a beach ball. Hey, I'm going to stay away from that. <laughs> Like, she definitely oh. does have an interesting sponsor. Um, next up is Plushkova, another person who's you know been number one in the world and is trying to get yeah. that uh, that title. She's playing Magda Lynette, who is unseated. I think this is Plushkova's return to being one of the three, like one of the five best players where she rightfully belongs. I think she gets. I think she's just under the radar enough to to really kind of make a run here. I I, I pick Plushkova. Yep, I had no idea she even made it this far, so I'm picking exactly. Yep, it, for exact reasoning. Yeah, so she's actually in the other other quarter. So I'm I flip flopped them wrong. So the winner of Rybakina and Ostapenko will play the winner of Pegula and Azarenka. So what's your pick for Pushkova? Uh, I'm taking Pushkova. I thought it was okay. a mood point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Pegula, she's better than anybody in the world right now. Uh, minus Iga Schwantek, who I know lost, but right now it's those two are, I think, head and shoulders above everybody else. Yep. Jess. I'll take Jess as well. 
All right, so then that leaves me Sab us Sabalenka and Donna Vekic. Vekic beat um, the Czech breakthrough uh, woman uh, Fruvitova last night in a three-setter. Who was again, Cole? Fruvitova. It's Sabalenka versus Vekic, uh, and that's who Vekic beat. So, uh, Sabalenka. Yeah. If, if Sabalenka's nerves don't get her, she she should win that pretty easily. Yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take Sabalenka as well. I think Vekic is going to find a way to get under his skin a little bit and create that ner nervous atmosphere. I was I was actually going to use that word, Keith, because I think Sabalenka is so good, but I've seen so many times she just lets the nerves just collapse her entire game, and then it turns into like anger, and then it just it, it she implodes, self implodes. And I I've seen Vekic, she just kind of hangs around and gets under people's skin a little bit. And I, I don't yeah. know what it is, what she does. She seems like a nice girl, but she finds a way to poke at some of these people. And I think she's going to find a way to do that to Sabalenka. Who's your pick yeah. on the men? Who's your picks on the men's side and the women's side, guys? Who do you got winning oh, the men's? Man, I'm going to ride with Sitsipas and Sabalenka. But if Sabalenka doesn't win and uh, Sitsipas doesn't win, I mean. No, no, no. Right now, who's your pick? Let's see fine. I will go with my picks, Sabalenka and Sitsipas. I'll ride till I die. Way to stick with it. Keith? Um, I think it's got to be I'm, – I'm going Joker and Pliskova. Um, not – uh, and I uh, know, excuse me, Kvitova, excuse me, uh, Joker and Kvitova, excuse me. Kvitova's uh, not in. Oh, no, who am I thinking of? Who's the lefty? <laughs> Guy's just naming every women's player. He no, who's oh the my lefty? God. Who's got the lefty? Rybakina, Ostapenko, Pagula, Azarenka, Pliskova, Lynette, Sabalenka, and Vekic. I'll just, yeah, then I'll just go Pagula. I'll change it up. I'll go uh, just because it's easier that way. I, I can't remember all those names. Uh, we'll go, we'll go Joker. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go Joker and Pagula. Uh, just under the radar, Djokovic. It's a tournament that he doesn't lose. Yeah, I I'm going Pagula, Ben Shelton. Oh my no. god! <laughs> I some about it, man. Something about it. I I just think storylines. Yeah, I I think something about it. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, well, that, that'll kind of wrap things up for, for us. That will wrap things up for us as we go into our interview segment with Richie Gary, as I touched on at the beginning. And we will tune in with you guys for episode three next week for a full Aussie Open recap. See how all of our picks go. Hopefully Keith does a little research on the women's tennis front. <laughs> and we'll see if Cole is the god that he really thinks he is with both these picks. Yeah, can't wait to go full Oz. This week's guest, we have Richie Gary. He's a digital strategist and a content creator uh, for a sports marketing agency. Um, Richie, welcome in. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> so uh, you've met Keith. You met Freddie off the, uh, you know, the little pre-show introduction. Um, how many podcasts have you done, been a part of in the past couple uh, years you've so been in business? Like every college kid, I uh, tried to start a few. We had um, Trust the Podcast because I was doing it with a couple Philly guys. So, um, and that was during the process years. Um, and then after that, like, I think I did like one or two more, like Broad Street bench warmers, but nothing really, <laughs> ever, nothing really ever took off. So um, this is my first time being interviewed for a podcast. Let's put it that Ooh. way. 
Yeah, Rich, good. <laughs> I'm gonna hijack this for a quick second there, Cole. Who what was your favorite part of of the uh, of the process as a Philadelphia boy myself? I gotta know what was your favorite part of the process. Like, what was your favorite player to watch during that entire entire debacle? Dude, I loved watching Ben Simmons just because how bad it was. <laughs> like, as somebody who's not a Sixers fan, just watching that guy refuse to shoot a 15 foot jumper, it was just. I would watch for the reactions. Like, you have one eye on like the actual game and one eye on like the people you're watching with. Because that was where the entertainment value for me was. Let me just tell you the enter- the entertainment value of me for Ben Simmons was the four years I spent defending how good he was, and then the moment he left, I was one of the first people to boo him. It was just it was just perfectly Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty much every fan. It, it's hard to be a Ben Simmons apologist. <laughs> so, so Richie, t- tell us tell us sort of how you got into the position you're in, um, and sort of like what your uh, your year looks like, your 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 event schedule. I was doing content for a tech marketing company before it was literally just tech newsletters like a rundown type of like 10 minute video of like what's going on in the tech world and i hated it it was good money because it's tech but i really always wanted to get into sports and i saw this opportunity with ays i didn't even know philadelphia um that's where we're based out of um even had sports marketing agencies like that um so put in the work uh applied and the next thing you know two years later i'm here but uh so a, a bit about your your yearly schedule right is your your first event your first main event i think we talked is indian wells really and do you yeah. have a couple Fuck of uh, pre- preview events uh yeah so we uh we actually just finished up two pop-up events we did one in miami because we have our miami event also coming in march and we did one in um rancho park which is basically los angeles um and that was for the Indian Wells event. So I can tell you what's solidified. There are some possible things still in the works, um, but I can tell you for a fact where we're going this year. We're going to Indian Wells, March 6th, right before the 20 kicks off. See you there. We're going to, yeah, you will. Uh, <laughs> March 20th, we are headed to Miami at the JW Marriott. It's like a rooftop pool kind of deal. Um, and then I can't remember the dates, but we're going to London for the Giorgio Armani Tennis Classic, which is basically the Hurlingham Classic. It's just that Giorgio Armani is now the title sponsor. So they took the name of it. People, I'm I'm sure you guys know, it's like known as the warm up to Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Um, then we're headed off to the City Open. Obviously, we are the City Taste. We run the City Taste of Tennis. We'll get into that a little later, but that's in D.C. Uh, I actually saw Cole there last year. Uh, we were chopping it up a bit um great stuff as always city open <laughs> um and then we finish up our year at of course the u.s open in new york yeah that is a absolutely complete schedule um i appreciate being able to see you during that uh city open swing um and i'm looking forward to seeing you again in indian wells Oh man, it's gonna be great! You did never, see me I've at ne- one of my lower been... points in the, at the City Open, like after a long, long activation day, like on site. That was like, oh, <laughs> let's just get through, please. So, so <laughs> tell me a little bit about I don't know your favorite events that you've done, or and and the and the uh, favorite pros you've worked with and been able to capture in the land. Absolutely, um, I have to say, my two favorite, my favorite. It's tough because London's newer, but I loved, I don't know if I loved London just because it was so new. Um, but that city, the tournament is awesome. 
Um, but if I had to just go U.S., I would definitely say Indian Wells. That place is wonderful. It's the players' favorite tournament. They're all in a great mood. Um, it's very – it's a lot, at least from my perspective, it's a lot easier to, like, you know, manage, like, who's coming because they all want to come because it's Indian Wells. It's kind of like that ease into the year for them where they don't feel as much – they feel more like – people than they do tennis players because i mean if you've been to indian wells like palm springs you know you're surrounded by wealth it's a little bit different than some of the other slams in different cities um it's just a little different like it's a very relaxed vibe i would say and i for, for me it translates to the staff too um it's definitely i think across the board probably our favorite event um let me let me think of a some of the best experiences that I had. Do you, are you feeling? Do you feel settled in? I mean, um, I mean, I feel like the first year, if I was doing this job for the first year, I'd be like, "Holy shit, that's that's Serena! Holy shit, that's that's Nadal!" You know, like it's, see, like it, I had a little bit of uh, I don't want to say advantage, but when I first got this gig, I was like, "Oh, they're tennis players." Like I used to watch these guys because I used to be really into tennis when my dad and I would watch the matches all the time. High school came around, started playing football, started playing rugby. Um, you wanted to get laid got... in high school. That's what that you wanted to get laid in high school and, and not, get, <laughs> not get, you know, That's essentially what you just said right there. Was like I really love tennis until I had a working penis. Like that's essentially how this, like, how this came about. <laughs> Along those lines, it was just something about the body craving content. Um, but it was really just. Um, when I first like the only time I've really seen myself starstruck by a player was probably when I uh, actually bumped into Rafa in my hotel in New York. And this is actually a funny story. Um, we had just finished up an event. Um, we were up, we like we were prepping for our event the night before uh, the big city taste of tennis in uh, New York. And we're staying at the uh, the palace. And. I'm going down to meet some of my buddies at a local bar, just like grab a few drinks, hang out before the big day. And I'm getting down there. And as I'm walking down, like I start hearing all like these like different like Spanish like voices. And I'm like, okay, like this is kind I'm like kind of used to this by now because when you're on, like when you're surrounded by these different tennis players, like all these different languages are being thrown around. Um, but the one thing that stood out this time was that there was this pungent pungent cologne and i don't know if it's one dude doing all the legwork for his posse or if it's all of them wearing the same cologne but man they turn the corner it's rafa and like his entire entourage like maybe six seven guys and they <laughs> are just ready to go out on the town like they i mean they're going someplace i'm sure i can't afford yet have not even heard of um <laughs> and that was probably the one time where like i froze up i was like oh that's rafa like that yeah. You're like you're like I, you're like I don't even work here, but let me get the car door and the front door to the the hotel for you. And I mean, I, I just let him go. I didn't even like I didn't even talk to him because I know how the like I guess working with him, you kind of know their mindset. Like when they're when they're like at an event or they're at some type of engagement, they expect to be approached. They expect like you know to take the photos, shake the hands, kiss the babies, all that. But when like they're in their own element with their guys, like. I know how that is. Like, you don't want to be bothered, but of course they're autograph scalpers sitting right yeah. outside the door and 
Rafa saw them, him and his boys go out the back door. I went out the door that they originally going to go out of. And I just see these like, they got to be, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. It's like 50 year old men chasing like grown man signatures. And you just see them. I just saw them bolt around the other side of the building trying to get it. It, it, that was like, I was like, oh, like this is big time, big time. I guess the other one, and this is actually a little, I guess, taste teaser. Um, we're going to eventually be releasing an interview with Serena Williams. Um, it's a quick, like, three minute, like, four minute social media interview. Like, no, like, groundbreaking, like, truth bombs being happened. Um, but when, like, I met her and I was directing that interview pretty much, um, like, shake her hand be like hey like i'm richie i'm with ays like i'm with judy um which is like she's the uh, president of our company she handles a lot of um logistics for players behind the scenes in terms of uh hotel rooms and things like that um and there's an aura like people like say like i know it sounds corny but like some there's like an aura around certain people when you meet them like they just have that it factor and Serena 100% fits that bill. Um, you can just tell, like, when she walked in the room, like, just, there's just, I don't know what it is. I can't, like, articulate it any better than right now. But there's just something about her when you see her and you're like, oh, like, this is what greatness looks like. This is what greatness feels like. It's it's weird. But it's 100%. I didn't, I always thought it was kind of BS until, like, I actually met her. And I was like, oh, no, this is 100% a real thing. Um, yeah. Why? I can I can imagine she just just even like I've never seen her play live, but watching her play more so at this past US Open where she was retiring, you you really get a big sense. Like she's you know, she yeah, retiring Keith. She may be coming back, you never know. Um, but you know, we grew up, I was young, you know, we didn't see Serena for you know her peak years, I would say, like for me at least. I didn't, you know, really get big into tennis and until when I was like, I don't know, 10, 12. Um but when you watch her play and stadium court at Ash is, is uh, packed every single night and it's crazy. You sort of just feel it watching the TV, even if you're not even in New York. It's it's definitely I, I always feel I always wonder how I would have felt if I ever did get to see Roger Federer play. Um, I did feel that way when I saw Nadal play in City Open. But, yes, I, I totally magical. agree with you. Yeah, that guy, it was magical. Which you photographed? Which you photographed? I did. I did. I photographed his match versus uh, Jake Sock at the City Open. I think what, yeah, two Jack, years ago yeah. now, that, something like that. Jack, that was yeah. a disaster of a match. Remember, somebody got kicked out of the crowd that match. I was. Yeah. I was. In the, I was in the nosebleeds for that match. We were all at that match. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hell of a match. Yeah. I guess the question I've got is maybe for people that are listening, like if you could talk a little bit in detail about like what. Like, what are these events and, and like what like why are they being put on at these certain tournaments and select cities and and kind of what goes into all that like like what are they what is some more detail about what's going on for sure this might be a little long-winded but i'll try to abbreviate as much as i can um about 23 some years ago um this mom and daughter duo penny learner and judy learner started uh this company ays and they started kicking off these not necessarily like welcome parties, more like kickoffs to some of the bigger grand slam tournaments. Um, And they called it the taste of tennis because it's where the taste of tennis is pretty much where you combine world-class food, like James Beard award winners, Michelin star chefs with the best tennis players in the world. And that goes like they, I mean, back in the day, like we used to get Rob, they used to get Rafa regularly to come on. 
Um, it, it was like Serena and Venus, they still would come every year. Then they came up like last year, we did a tribute video for um, Serena uh, going off uh, evolving. That's what it is. That's what she used. I got to make sure I use that. Um, but the event so is saying she ain't much, retired yet. She's evolving. She's evolving. She's evolving. <laughs> but let's use her words, right? Uh, um, but it's pretty much, I like to say <laughs> it's, it's an event where like you'll have entertainment. You'll have all these different chefs. Some of the best food I've ever tasted is at these events. And then next thing you know, like you're looking next to you and it's Alexi Poprin, it's Sloan Stevens, it's um, I mean, whoever. I mean, there there's been everybody under the sun. Iga came to Indian Wells last year. Um, we had Kyrios at Indian Wells. Um, he didn't I don't think he came to DC, but he did come to New York as well with uh, Naomi. Like you and it's just like I think the best way, one of my uh, coworkers, he put it the best way. It's where people come to feel like they're stars and stars come to feel like ordinary people where it's very much like you have cities obviously hosting it. So they get like amount of tickets to whoever is working for city, the higher ups, what have you. Then you have people that will actually buy the tickets, which I don't know if I like a, it's a $250 ticket and then it's, seven to ten you get all it's all food is complimentary drinks it's a open bar um and it is just tennis players you'll have you normally there'll be a couple q a with some tennis legends um i know last year we had for the q a it was lindsey davenport um sometimes we'll do cooking demos like we did one with andre rublev We've done one with Nick and Naomi. We did one. What? Who else did we do with last year? Who was Miami? Oh, Garbina Muguruza. Let me tell you, the best tennis player I've ever worked with is Garbina Muguruza. She <laughs> is the definition of class. Like, she knows, like, she knows what all the marketing content guys are after. Like, she knows what you want her to say. She knows how to, like, work a camera. And she's polite as all get out. Like, she is just she's class and body really i mean that's the only way i can really explain it um she's by far the best tennis player i've worked with but yeah the city taste of tennis it's where world-class food meets world-class tennis you blend it together and it's pretty much like a party that opens up whatever um tournament that we're at it's like uh wherever i when i get on instagram and i see these tastes of tennis uh you know po posts and videos and things um the first thing I think of is like, you know, this is like the red carpet for when somebody goes into the Oscars. That's what it feels like. I feel, I feel like it's like that, whether it's like a garden party or, you know, a red carpet party, it's, it's exactly what you said, you know, tennis players, we see them it's, and even like the dress as well. Right. So like you see, you see them in, you know, their Nike tight, you know, athletic gear. And then it's sort of a night to, you know, you see them in, you know, all glammed up it's it's a it's a cool side it's a hospitality side you know we connect that way richie sort of being in, in that in that industry as well it's uh james beer i mean the chefs i'm sure you've had um jose andres maybe involved in the past in, in the past, in the past but, yeah, yeah yeah that name rings a bell um but, for sure we had i don't know if you guys know uh, we had a pretty big chef actually in indian wells last year uh john and Vinny. they're a pretty big like famous pizza chain out west mm -hmm. um yeah. And then, like, so, I mean, honestly, like, some of the people that we've worked with, like, I 
I don't even know because they are like so high up in the food world that I like someone like me would never be able to like go out and like go to the restaurant for a night. Like, Oh yeah. Thursday night dinner. Sure. Um, let me go to a two Michelin star chef's place. Um, I will say there, I can go into some of the crazy meals I've had um, because sometimes we do content shoots for our headline chefs. And that is where you really meet like, you meet not only like interesting chefs, but you meet interesting food, man. Um, <laughs> and it's I didn't know food could taste this good before this job. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, not to ramble, but that's essentially what the taste is. Yeah. Keith, you look like you got something. I'm just curious uh, when, when you do these events, how how tight are the players to each other? Like they, they travel the world essentially with each other. Uh, throughout the year do you do you notice like clicks forming or, or how close they get when it comes to when it comes to just their everyday life like you know being able to relax like you said in one of these events yeah i mean there are definitely some that have clicks for sure um i mean all the top players like they all know each other they're all like they're not like not all of them are buddy buddy but there are certain players like um i know like tommy paul and mackie mcmaster like they're they're pretty tight um who else? I mean, there are like some like doubles players I know, like they all hang out. There are like some like there if they might be in like the top 50, the top 70 that like they're tight. Um, but like for the most part, like the top 20, I just see like they all like know what each other's going through. But in the same sense, like I never see like you never see like really tight clicks like they're all because they're all doing different things. They know that they're there to like not only show face, but show out a little bit to like the crowd and whatever. Um, so they're not like always together together, but there definitely are some clear and everybody's like on a first name basis. Um, they all know each other or know of each other, um, whether like some like more than others. It's kind of hard to tell because a lot of times I'm like getting I'm a chief on video for these events. So I'm just I'm like, hey, can you pose with this or like, can I get a <laughs> shot? And like, I need to move on. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, some of them are a little clicky. Um but for the most part, I mean, they all they all go through the same thing. But it's funny you like say that because I was watching Breakpoint. Um, I, don't I was going to ask that you about that. That's going to jump right into that. Um, and I forget who said it, but it, it this line really stuck with me. I think it was when they were talking about Berrettini, where it was like tennis players. It's it's so hard to like kind of. I don't want to say branch out, but like you have to think about yourself so much in this sport where it's very much focused on you and it sounds self-centered, but that's just the nature of the beast. And it tends to like affect their entire lives. I mean, we saw it with Berrettini. I mean, he's not dating that girl and that, it, that player. I don't, I can't remember her name. I mean, Amanovich. Yeah. yeah. Like they're not, I mean, and that was like, I mean, I watched that, I watched that episode and I was like, well, this is not going to last. Um, she's not <laughs> even staying for his tournaments. Um, yeah. But <laughs> At the same time, um, it's very true. Um, and I think that kind of reflects in the events, but they also all get it. Um, I will say once they retire, they they are a lot like they are a lot of fun. <laughs> I was about to ask, like, I, wa I want to believe, like, you know, if you have in that moment, we'll get back to break point, obviously. I want to I want to get your your uh, touch on that as a content creator, but I just want to believe that at one of these events, it's a player just going, Oh shit, it's Steve in the corner and like getting hammered and then like going over there and it's like having a huge party. Like, <laughs> do you get those? Do you get that? I know you can't maybe drop your names. Do you get that happen? Yeah. I, can't really drop. I mean, I have never seen a player get like that. Um, <laughs> I have seen coaches 
get like yes. that. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, like what is it like? It's like to the point where like we all wear like little uh, ear radios. And we're blown up, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, like some dude is like he's borderline passing out on this bar. Like, so I'm getting this man. Like, Screw me, it he, he doesn't look like a player. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely um coaches, but. I at least in my time here, I have never seen um, a player get like that. Now, I mean, it's right before the tournament, and it's normally during qualies. Um, but for the most part, like they're they're so hypersensitive about like what goes in their body that a lot of them uh, won't really like get like schwasty pants. Um, <laughs> does does every player that's in the draw get like invited to this event? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's typically like their agent that reached out like, hey, like, I want to come like, can I bring this blah, 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 like X amount of people. And then like, we'll say, yeah, or nay. It's like, yes, you can bring the player and the coach or but you can't bring the agent or you, you can have the agent and the player, but not the coach. It's like it, it just depends. It, it's very situational. Um, it just depends on the relationship with the brand, like um how much we are at capacity as well that's another thing we have to take into consideration um for a lot of these events um but yeah to answer your question yeah it's just it just depends you touched on uh you touched on breakpoint from a content creator side how do you th- how did you think that played out so far i know we we've all pretty much here finished the first the first part of the season the first five episodes what did you think how how do you think that's going to affect tennis well, I mean, if you've, I mean, we, I'm sure we've all been paying attention to the Australian Open, and right now it's going around that it's the Netflix curse um, because pretty that's, much that's everyone, what I was thinking too. Everyone besides TFO was out. Now I don't know if they're filming again this season. I'm not sure if they're filming the same players or not. Um, but it, I get what they were trying to do because of the whole F1 series. It was wildly successful. It basically launched F1 in the U.S. Um, and they want to do that to tennis too. The only thing is outside of F like F1, it's so European, like no history of, at least from our perspective, no history of like dominant Americans. Yeah. Um, whereas the U S you had that golden age of tennis, you had those dominant like eighties, nineties. I mean, the Americans used to flood the top 10 and now we're at a point where, I mean, we just saw the number eight top ranked American go down and Taylor Fritz. My pick. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's and for me, like it was it was funny because I know they're only cut. They only covered the first two tournaments, uh, the the Australian Open and Wimbledon. And also, I mean, obviously the tournaments in between like Madrid. um, But it was like they were like you could see that they were really trying to promote all these guys like these up-and-comers these like young guys that are supposed to fill the void of the big three moving on of serena moving on um and of course rafa wins both tournaments uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they so paid them not like, like a villain didn't they i don't know if anybody else paid like there was like always like slow motion like slow ball bouncing yeah, him walking out. like i was waiting for like the emperor like the emperor's theme song to like star trek i mean star wars playing in the background whenever rafa was walking on the court <laughs> it felt it felt very much like matches were over before they started but through net <laughs> through netflix's eyes when they were playing Nadal. <laughs> i know they, they didn't even show curios how like how he put up a fight at like the end of uh one of his uh matches i can't remember which one but he had like a great like fourth set 
that and they didn't even they were like yeah he lost (laughs) 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 it's like what like there was some action to be had but um it was funny for me what really stuck out was that rafa did not want to have any part of this because if you noticed any time that he was giving an interview it was from a press conference it was Mm. not in like a controlled setting so that stuck out to me i was like oh man this dude did not want any parts and novak even less um so I, I thought, and I've heard through the grapevine, I don't think either of those dudes want any piece of breakpoint. Unless, yeah. I mean, unless like they don't care. I think they care too much about winning to have a camera crew following them around all the time. I heard rumors about uh, they don't want to see the inject, or they don't want to see what the trainers are doing or like what tablets they're taking oh, I- and the injections and stuff. So that's why they said no. But then like you have Taylor Fritz who's on practicing before his final. He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll just get an injection and I'll just go out there and win the tournament. He's literally like, I need another injection now. Like, I'm not, like, I'm going to keep playing. And like, I, like, he literally said on camera, like, I need another injection. I was like, oh, of what? Um, <laughs> like, cortisone? What are we doing here? Um, yeah, yeah it, it, that is interesting. Um, I know a lot of the players, they want Alcaraz to come on because he's like, they want to like see like him and everything. And like, I do too, honestly. Um, he would be a really cool one. But again, I think, I don't want to say any of these guys aren't focused about when they are focused, like they're hyper focused. Um, but the two guys that have won over 20 slams are not doing this. And like, they have nothing left to play for really besides records. Um, right. So if they're not going to do it now, when would they do it? Um, in my eyes, um, they, they certainly weren't going to do it when they were trying to cement themselves. Um, but I get, I get why Netflix is trying to do this at the same time. Um, they're really trying to drum it up, you know, make tennis a thing in the U S again, which I'm all for, I mean, make my job a lot easier. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I want to see you at every tour spot on tour. That's what I want. That now that would be something. That would be something. <laughs> My suitcase is already getting beat up. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I thought, I mean, it was really well produced. I thought this how they like broke it up, where like each player got a story. I thought that was pretty cool, where it's like you kind of had a full digest, and then you got a full other story instead of like following their storylines each tournament. Because some of these guys, I mean depending on the tournament, like it wasn't much of a story for some of them in certain tournaments. So I get what they did. I do. Um, Another guy I'm keeping my eye on who I'm a big fan. I love TFO because I just love the way his forehand comes out like a whip snake. I always call it the whip snake, like watching him in person, like the way he wins, like wings that. And also it was pretty interesting, but um, it was like a little U.S. Open uh, preview. I saw him and Alcaraz play at the Giorgio Armani Tennis Classic. And TFO, at least for a little bit, was having his way with Carlos. Oof. It was like shocking. How'd that finish? Um, <laughs> they don't keep score in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> which or no they do but like they're like very like it's like it's an exhibition this this is for no points like whatever no, like I, we're, yeah. we're here to entertain really rich people um <laughs> they used to have a tournament called the the boodles the boodles or boodles the gin the gin tournament pre wimbledon on grass and it was like a little tune up but it was no it was it was there's no points it was all exos and it was it was similar similar to what you were saying yeah, I oh another. This is actually another funny story. Um, Mansoor Ibrahimi, um, 
Oh, I love it. Yes, the guy's the I man. I love this guy. That guy is the reason my girlfriend got into tennis. Um, I took her to the, like, this was like the first event she had been to. And I took her as a guest of city because that was the only way I could get her a ticket. So she, all these bank guys think that she's like a millionaire, um, like carries a big wallet. And she's like, what is going on? And then this, and then Mansoir comes out with, um, he came out with Baghdadis. Um, that's going to kill me that I don't know. Henri, Henri, look, um. Oh, shoot. What yeah, is LeConte. He's always playing yeah. doubles. Andre LeConte. Yeah. Maybe. I, I think. Guy I don't built know. like me. It, it Frenchman typi- built like me. It wasn't <laughs> his typical doubles partner. Um, yeah. It was like it was like just a couple legends that were in the area that they like threw together. Okay. Um, and he had that whole that place like that place was rocking. I've never seen like a small little like grass court country cup place like stand. I mean, the stands were cool because it's it's Giorgio. They did some stuff whatever but that place <laughs> that place was rocking man i mean he gets the like he plays to the crowd just the way he plays it's so free and man you want to talk about my favorite player that i've ever filmed it's mansoir ibrahimi yeah that's great he is just like he, he's just he's so a- creative and then, like i actually got to talk to him for a little bit um like at the reception and he's a very cool dude like very down to earth i mean he came from literally nothing um playing like i mean like i think he played until he was 17 with a frying pan because he couldn't afford a racket um so he was literally like i forget i can't i don't want to like mess up where he's from i can't remember if it's iraq or iran um but he was literally like he didn't pick up he didn't have a real tennis racket for years he would just he was just so good with playing with like a cast iron frying pan and then he eventually got a racket rest is history and he made it tennis I believe he probably made tennis accessible to like the common like folk pretty much like people that don't know anything about tennis, but they want to watch something fun. You want to watch Mansoir. Um, he's going to, and he plays to the crowd. He knows how to get the crowd in it, which I love. Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely good. my favorite player I've ever filmed. What's uh? so I'm going to, I think we're going to wrap up here, Richie, but I, I want to ask you who's headlining Indian Wells. That is, um, you guys may know her. She's a little bit older, a um, little bit older of a player, but Tracy Austin. Oh, yeah. The two-time singles Grand Slam winner. I believe she won a doubles, a mixed doubles, and then a doubles. Um, she is she is a super professional as well. She, is, she was at our pop-up event to help promote the event. She was, like, willing to do everything. I mean, she is just awesome, and she's, like, and then I watched her highlights, and I was like, oh. She's not like she's not nice on the court though. Like Tracy, Tracy could hit the hell out of the ball. Um, so she will be headlining for Indian Wells just because she's out in Los Angeles already. Um, she's close. We tend to when it's a legend, unless of course we can get a current player. Um, it's typically somebody that lives within that area. Like I know last year the headliners were Lindsey Davenport and Nick Kyrgios. Um obviously we don't like to repeat so often in places we try to find new, but again, that comes back to um, us. Like we just need some new guys to like step up on the American front. So that way we have (laughs) new features. (laughs) Um, But DC and New York, we're not even thinking about that right now in terms of what guests we're going to feature. We're more worried about the logistics of like the actual event spaces and everything like that. Um, 
but yeah, Tracy Austin, she'll be headlining. I'm sure there will be like player like current. I mean, Indian Wells is probably one of our most well attended events outside of New York in terms of player attendance because they just they just love to come there. They're staying at they're staying at the hotels around the area in Indian Wells. If you've ever been there, like all the hotels are pretty much centralized, so it's either a quick walk or a short taxi. Um, and yeah, I can't wait. And I'm I'm seeing you there, Cole. So that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, that is gonna be a great time. I'm gonna be the drunk one with all the coaches. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, you guys will get along just fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, Richie, man. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm glad you got to meet everybody here, Keith. You got something? Yeah. Um, one thing I want to do before we're, we're gonna run a little new segment during the uh, during an interview, we're gonna call it the serve clock. Which is weird. I'm gonna ask you rapid fire questions. You got 25 seconds. I'm right. We're gonna kind of pound through this. First thing that comes to your mind, all right? When when we when we go through this. Got it. All right. Uh city you want to create contact in. Paris. Go Paris. to go to fast food, any place. Oh, Taco Bell. Uh best dish you had at one of your events. Um, Wagyu steak from Coat in Miami. Dream doubles matchup. So you get to pick person you're playing with and the two people you're playing against. I'm playing with Nick and I'm playing against I'm playing against Tia Fu and Fritz. Biggest best part of your own game. My serve. All right. I think we got that in there. Nice job, man. Solid. <laughs> Thank you. Thank solid. you. Little do you know that's like the only part of my game that's like worth anything. At all. <laughs> like if you return my serve, I am done. love it richie man i appreciate it all right man hey thank you guys for having me on really appreciate it it was great i I smell i smell a recurring guest hey hey if you guys will have me i'll hop on just let me know (laughs) the last time you guys had a recurring guest you made a me so we gotta watch out (laughs) i gotta watch out for that (laughs) this is true all right guys you have a good rest of your night richie appreciate you guys you too great talking with y'all thanks for talking rich